Hello, everyone, and thank you for attending our podcast. Uh, this is Andrew Bercuda with Goliath Cybersecurity, and with me, I have Andrew Lolongo, also one of our vCISOs and, and uh, head of our enterprise uh, services for uh, executive services, and wanted to uh, open up this first podcast uh, with uh, welcome to you, and thank you for taking some time to listen to us and, and uh, sharing our thoughts on uh, some relevant cybersecurity uh, trends and some uh, some best practices. And we hope to keep this in a light mood, uh, but also educational as well. So Angela, welcome, and thank you for co-hosting this with me. My absolute pleasure. You know, with all these years of uh, experience between us, I, I hope that we can impart some little bit of knowledge to someone. Then make their day happier you know when, <laughs> that's, indeed. that's what we do indeed so i always you know me angelo we've we've known each other for many years i i always like to use scenarios as a as a good visual so let me throw one at you if i no. may and we, we we talk about you know uh, various different things i think the best place to start a podcast uh, series is this so let me so here it is uh, imagine yourself coming back from a high-level security symposium conference in in the the conference town of Hoboken, New Jersey. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I know nothing. We spare no expense. No expense. So now you're you're at Hoboken International Airport, and you're going to be flying to another groundbreaking place called Kutztown International Airport. Right? You, this is where we're going to fly you again, sparing no expense. <laughs> Um, get you the best seat. We get you the emergency exit window seat on on the best DC three airplane that we can. <laughs> that still flies. <laughs> so you're getting yourself comfortable, and all of a sudden you see somebody that you recognize that attended the conference, but they're a bit frazzled. They're frantic, and they sit next to you. They're in a cold sweat, and you strike up a conversation in which they utter these words almost almost pleading. If I don't get a formal cybersecurity program in place, my my venture capital investor will pull out and that will kill my business. And I might as well open the exit door and have a better, better chance and better luck at skywalking. Where do I even start? And and you look at them hoping to put your noise canceling headsets on, but it's too late. They're still in your bag. So now what do you say to somebody like this to keep them from from walking on a wing at 20,000 feet? What would be the the three to five things that you could suggest to do for a successful start on a cybersecurity journey? All right. So I would I would look at them and firmly look and see if they need to be slapped first, because obviously doing some skywalking, we we probably want to wake some sense. It's, it's frowned upon by the <laughs> yeah. FAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So secondly, uh, then I would make some determinations as to you know, what, what their business is. So I'd say, hey, listen, you have a business, you, you, you have investors, you need to protect that. And to protect it, it's fairly simple, but it's a process. You need to take time and effort and focus to make that happen. The investment that you make in that, in time and energy and money, uh, comes back to reap benefits not only with your investors 
but also your future partners, also your future uh, when you go to get cyber insurance or other types of insurance. You end up having benefits from having the, the security program that you mentioned. But how do you get there? You know, you have to start with one, the executive involvement. You have to be bought in. That means you also have to allocate people, time and effort to go towards this effort. It's cost, it costs time. So you need to say, hey, pe hey people who work in the company, division heads, whatever, you need to make some efforts in this arena because this is an integration. It's not a simple, it's not a simple bunch of uh, a bunch of documents that one uses. It's a an integration into the processes, the procedures, the standards that the company runs under. So when you look at that, you have to say, okay, what am I going to protect? So we have the and we have the involvement. We say, okay, we're ready to to invest in this time, energy, and money. Now, what are we protecting? What is the core technology that helps us do our thing? What are the crown jewels? How, and and so there's there's really kind of thing three things: what regulations affect you and can ruin you? Who? How can somebody get rich off of you? And um, what 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 do you? What is like kind of the? Um, I forgot the third R. Dang it. Anyway, we'll move forward. The crown jewels are defined as the things you want to protect. And as you go to protect them, you're going to you're going to basically look at how people access them, how people derive information from them, and where does that information go, whether that is the intellectual property, proprietary information like um, you know, algorithms and such like that. Uh, personal information of employees, personal information of customers, all those things need to be protected. And how you go about that? You need to stop and say, let's look at what framework, what process, what procedures we need to put into place that best matches your business. And that's how you develop that to get started. That's just the starting place. But this is a process. You need to take time and effort, but it will pay dividends to do that. So let me let me let me kind of circle back on this crown jewel, right? Because if I'm a small medium business or organization, right? Let's say I'm in um, uh, a dental practice, or I'm in um, HVAC, or maybe a plumbing business, or 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 some type of business that may not necessarily translate to a um, uh, an IT world, right? By crown jewels, you you are talking about the data, right? But that's like customer data, or or intellectual property. If I have like a a, a recipe or a formula or or a patent, maybe is that is that correct? Absolutely, all those things could encompass that. Also, don't forget employee data. Customer data is oh, is, yeah. is important, but employee data also needs to be protected as well. Sometimes that gets forgotten. And there's uh, different yeah. steps. So you need to really take into account what what things can affect you, how people can uh, choose to ruin you. Yeah, regulations ruin and how can somebody can get rich off of you. Those really kind of define the three things that could like encompass the crown jewels of your organization. Say that one more time. That was a good phrase. The crown jewels, no, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the regulations and regulations, 
um, how can somebody get rich off of you? What regulations affect you? And how can somebody ruin you? Those are the three things that that you know that could help define what are the crown jewels in your organization. Um, that, that really just it's just a focusing activity. Then well, once you know, you protect sense, them. Though. Doesn't it? I mean, this this seems like common sense that you would want to protect that, but but I guess the next question would be: Now that we've identified this stuff, mm-hmm. now that we have, let's say, an executive sponsor, let's say our yep. our CEO or our senior level management, now wh- where do we where do we point our finger and say, okay, now that we know who's sponsoring us, who's paying for the bill, if you will, uh, what we what we have to protect? What's my next step? Okay, so now now you have the people paying for the bill, the people sponsoring you. Now we have to have engagement. And that mm-hmm. engagement comes by establishing some type of person who's going to head or shepherd this effort. Mm-hmm. Generally, large organizations will have somebody like myself okay. shepherding the effort or continuous, continuing the shepherding ongoing with a staff that 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 not only takes them through this effort, gets it to a better place over time, but also actually does the procedural things ongoing. Smaller okay. organizations don't have that. Um, and and it's pre- and, and cost prohibitive to, be, to do that. No, just to be clear, I mean, this is the formal title in a, in a large enterprise, that's a, that's a CISO, a CISO. Right. right. I mean, th- these they have their own organization. They have a cyber team. They have uh, uh, maybe a team that also manages the documentation, the policies, the the program of of security, cybersecurity in their environment. Yep. You're right. Like small, medium businesses don't have the luxury of somebody who can have one foot in the business world and one foot in um, in in the technical to interpret and be the interpreter. Uh, the savant, if you will, between these two. That, that's correct. And I think Gabriella has a question. Gabriella? Hey, everyone. I'm Gabriella. I am a guest today. Uh, I'll be asking clarification for layman's terms. So when you talk about a CISO, a CISO, um, what does that mean for those of us who don't know? Okay. So basically, this is the person whom is leading to the charge. And incidentally, I just like a for my next role, if I ever go back into the corporate world, I want to be called a chief information sec- information assurance officer so I can be called chow. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so, more expensive than nice this. So. <laughs> <laughs> but having said uh, that, um they're the person whom is is the focal point of information security uh integration concepts, uh, leadership, um, anything involving information security in the organization. If someone needs to move data back and forth, they go to the information, they go to the CISO. Now, it may be their department, but they go to the CISO in this question um, or their department to to make this. There's decisions that are made at the CISO level. Generally, they work tightly uh, either underneath or or in complementary to the CIO or the CTO of the organization, which are chief information officer or chief technology officer. That help, Gabriella? Yeah, that's good. Right. So good information. So if I don't have the skills, mm-hmm. if I don't have um, the training, 
the certification that goes behind a CISO, right? That I, I know I know the answer to this question is that, but I I got to ask it's it's achievable to get this skill set in a fractional form. Absolutely. I mean, consider consider myself. Let me do a little self selling here. I've I've been a CISO. I've been in security a lot of years. I've done a lot of different things. The skill set that I've built over the years is based upon certifications, experience, uh, you know, and, and just understanding from a, a knowledge point um, certain aspects of how things function within a business and such like that. There's a business translation. So the CISO, my, let me add one piece to this. A CISO tends to be part technical, part business because they have to do the interpretation. And from that, a person like myself could assist an organization um, get to that better place. Uh, it doesn't have to be a full-time role um, for some organizations that can't have, can't have that staff or can't have mm -hmm. that. Because the simple point is, until you reach revenues of which is of, in, of extreme importance, the, the reality is a company would probably look at a, somebody to help them part-time to make this happen. But at a right. certain point, your revenues require you to have somebody on staff to lead these efforts. And it's never a good thing to have somebody whom is lacking in the experience because that's where doors can be opened that you don't want opened. Avenues and vectors of exfiltration of data could occur because the person may not have the experience to recognize what needs to be closed old uh, saying about the person who comes in to fix the engine and they, they hit hit the engine with two taps on a big on the big cruise liner and it, the engine started working again and they and they said that'll be twenty thousand dollars and and the whole <laughs> thing comes back and says we mean you just tapped it twice he says it's not it's not the fact that it took two seconds to do it's the fact it took 20 years to get to know where to tap that's it so well and and, and there lies and there lies the the um the interesting thing here because in our analogy of of the frantic business owner sitting on an airplane with you they did mention a venture capital investor right yeah. that will pull out of the deal and i'm seeing that and and i'm i'm sure our podcast listeners are seeing this as well there's more and more pressure from uh, pressure from a regulatory body or the government itself <clears throat> excuse me to to be able to um prove that you have these things in place and if you don't you mentioned the cyber insurance right a lot of mm -hmm. insurance companies are getting very very persnickety and very picky on making sure that you have certain documents in place certain processes best practices uh and are actually being adhered to um but this becomes this becomes more of a mandate and so it shouldn't shouldn't a ciso also be considered i thought i saw some regulations that's starting to require a formal uh, a formal person identified um to provide this level of guidance so yeah i mean the the reality is public companies have new sec requirements to 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 put into place um mm -hmm. cyber uh cyber talent or experience on their board Mm -hmm. And in their companies, all those things have a play in how this all functions. CISOs are being subpoenaed now 
Well, uh, if you look at uh, Solar Winds, I believe uh, the CISO and the CIO both received a Wells notice. Um, both of the, so now that position is much more volatile um, from the point of view of whom is going to take over one of those positions. Um, and so when you look at that, you you have to understand that these people, they're they're the government is starting to require more. Um, circumspect people in these positions, not just people who are placed in them from a from a point of view of just filling a role, but people with ex time and experience doing those roles so they can opine correctly. So. And it takes somebody with experience to to build a plan, right? I mean, if Absolutely. anybody who's who's been a a, a diver. Uh, there was an hmm. adage from many years ago that I remembered still to this day, which is plan your dive, dive your plan. Yep. Right. And and it's imperative to have a plan. I mean, in in that respect, where do I start with that? Yeah. So part of everything you do in cyber is, you know, I said policies, procedures, standards. Right. That builds uh, your your overall plan of how you want to function. You start at zero and you end up at hopefully low risk. Um, the, the reality is the company can take risks that are outside of the purview or maybe outside of the recommendation of this, the security group. Mm -hmm. In so doing, they're deviating from that plan. That deviation needs to be taken into account by the CISO or whomever else is taking on that role. If you do not, then what occurs is you leave an opening for something to occur. You're not diving your plan at that point. You're now changing your plan mid-flight to basically, or mid-dive, basically to dive to another depth of which you may not be prepared. Let's face it, you didn't bring you didn't bring nitrox with you, so you, mm -hmm. you, you you're not prepared to go deeper. So right. you know, so the, the reality is you 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 have. You know, generally have a bunch of pony bottles that would, if you're going to do a really deep dive, and you would plan how long you're going to be at each level, and then plan the uh, coming back to the surface in in staged fashion. That's right. not being that's not happening here when you when you're changing. You don't change yeah. it unless there's an emergency. You don't change it, and when you do change it, you have to account for the things you have. There are already emergencies, but you have to account for. What I currently have to protect, what I have mm -hmm. to protect in the future, what's going on with that protection, and where you're going to go with it. So all those things come into play, and then you need to take that. You need to make sure that you're taking that into account. Listen, there's an old saying I always love, too. And I think it was Mr. Schneer who originally quoted this, and then uh, Mr. Schmidt. But it is complexity is the enemy of security. And I love this because if you can't look at the plan Mm -hmm. And determine the you know and, and determine where you are in it. If it's too complex, it may not be really functional. You uh, know, yeah. Good point. so so yep. when you look at it, you need to make sure that it's it's you know usable by all those involved. Cybersecurity policies are meant to be read by the entire company, not just yeah. a small group. So I have to agree with that from coming oh. from like the company side of it, not just like the cybersecurity side, when you have like a team who 
let's say their priority and their job description does not include knowing anything about cybersecurity. When you make it too complex, it kind of just puts it like at the back of your mind where you're like, I, it's not my problem. I don't understand the problem. I'm not going to think about it. Um, but I think like when you simplify, it, especially like how Goliath does it, it's it puts it in terms to where, yes, the CEO and everybody in that C-level understands, but also everybody underneath gets the protocol, right? So what happens when, and then what can we do to prevent? Like, how can we be proactive before the emergency? And what do we do in case of emergencies? I think that's such a great point, um, especially for companies as small as like something like a startup, something as big as a very large corporate um, Gabriel, uh, let me just business, let me just yeah. add to let me just add to that. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it has to be security has to be accessible. It has to be relevant, right? But if I don't understand how to use it, it's just like a tool I have in my drawer uh, in my toolbox, right? It it'll just sit there collecting dust or rusting. If I understand how to use it and properly employ it, it it becomes an arsenal against bad actors or or bad hygiene, bad security hygiene, right? We always want to make sure that um, there's a there's an element of common sense, and it's and this is why I think Goliath really shines is we make efforts to understand where our customer is going, where they are in their security journey, make sure that we um, come alongside them, and then match up to um, to their current state, where what are the next uh, steps? What are the prescriptive things to do to uh, that are that are manageable, meaningful, and relevant for your long-term security health and and journey? And I think your security journey never ends, right? There's always new threats and everything, but if it's resilient and is able to carry you through through the next event through the next incident that potentially is rattling mm -hmm. your doors and windows, I think it makes it that much more important to match it up with somebody who knows how to employ it, which is that Absolutely. that 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 Angelo in your in your environment, right? Having somebody like an Angelo in there to be able to use the tool effectively to his analogy, where do I hit it? Right? Where do I make those two taps? <laughs> yeah, and I think that when we got we talked to the professionals and we get those two tabs we also in like the larger broader sense and even the deeper sense we get the why because so many companies will tell you this is what you need and this is how you do it and they're selling 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 you a product and you don't understand why do i need this and they're like trust right. me you, you got to do it this way and it's like okay but if i don't understand the why I'm never going to be very invested in the how and the when or the where because I'm just like, well, if I don't understand it, mm -hmm. why would I use it? Why would I have this like security company? Why would I have, you know, an expert come in? And I think that, you know, as we're talking, one of the biggest things that I've learned from you guys is that you guys look at every single individual customer that comes in with their company and you give an objective why. You know, sometimes one company might need something that the other company just does not need. 
And the other company that doesn't get it will be like, well, how come I don't get this? And you give them the why. It's like, you don't have the resources yet, or your company is too big or not too big. Um, And it's like, we're not trying to sell something to you. We're really telling you the why and the where, and that's what you're getting from us. You know, touching on those points, um, you know, when we look at, when you look at it from a CISO's point of view or uh, someone running security, a couple of things we need to take into account. We want the whole company involved in security, not just not just a select few, not just a division. The whole company should have a security mindset. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Andrew, you mentioned uh, an event, an issue, a breach, the B word. Uh, you, you mentioned these things. And one of those things, one thing needs to be said, uh, if you ride a motorcycle, it's not if you lay it down it's when you lay your bike down that's the saying so yeah. it's it it's going to happen it's going to happen and you know you, you also mentioned one other point security is a journey mm-hmm. yeah but but there could be an end to security generally the end of security is the end of company so that oh. it has a reputational <laughs> effect uh yeah. so and that's where you see these things occurring that people lose faith in companies i have a few friends right now who are in whose companies or industry is in the news um out in vegas and it is not a happy time and i i i really feel for them you know actually you know good friends of mine so i i i think i think reputation has a large thing to play in a in a a small medium organization where you may have two, three generations, family, you know, family generations that have been running a business. Yeah. I mean, it's a proud thing for your family to be able to extend through generations of, of business. You've taken all the care, all the, all the attention, all the sweat, all the sacrifices to build this through your family, you know, generation by generation, just to have it dashed by an event by mm-hmm. by some somebody who sits anonymously behind some type of of computing device and sits there and maybe not even use you as a as a target but using you as a springboard mm-hmm. um it's debilitating i mean i had i had a letter uh recently sent to my house for uh, a particular medical uh uh practice i think it was like an eye practice and it wasn't them that was uh, that experienced the breach. It was their attorneys. Yep. Um, and it's and it's the weak link in the chain. And this is what venture capital investors are looking at: is if I shackle myself to you as a business, as an investment, are you going to be the weak link in this chain? Are you going to be the one that I have to explain to my other investment companies or my my bosses that? Uh, be it a bank or whatever, that yeah, we we didn't do our due diligence. Due diligence is huge. I mean that that is partnering and due diligence, third party review. Everybody mm-hmm. is, should be reviewing everybody, whether yeah. yeah, either you're the data processor or you're the data owner. You know, you you gotta as a data owner, you gotta know who has your data and what they're doing with it and how secure they are. Uh, yeah. How many third-party breaches, or how many breaches have you heard because of, because of third-party applications? You yeah. know, take Target. Target's a prime example. That was an HVAC unit on the on the on the roof of, or HVAC control 
mm -hmm. uh, product that allowed access into other portions of the organization. How how was it missed? They passed audits. They passed all those things. The problem yeah. was there wasn't somebody thinking from a security point of view of how the data transfers, what's going on, why does this thing have access, where does it go, what's the extenuating circumstances, what steps they could take. In the right. end, we have you have to take it a step at a time. You have to understand the business. You have to understand what's going on. You have to understand where the priorities lie, how to keep the business running in a less uh, risky way or more secure way. So nice. So so as we're as we're in our analogy, we're 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 seeing cuts down international airport in in the windows now. We're 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 coming in for final approach. There is one thing that I wanted to pick your pick, you know, pick on uh, on a, a particular subtopic here, which is um, we're seeing a lot of regulation, a lot of regulation being revamped, revisited, updated. Um, and there's a lot of mandate now to not just be self compliant, but mm -hmm. now you have to attest to your suppliers, your vendors, to your clients. Your clients may be asking you to provide documentation to attest to your good due diligence and, and uh, cyber hygiene, right? So uh, I think uh, I think I'm going to quote Tim Rose of, of Goliath here. He's our, he's our uh, strategist and head of sales. He said this, he said, reactive security is a survival problem. However, proactive security is a growth responsibility. And that's a very different pivotal point. This is a business decision now to be able to, to meet a compliance requirement because that may um, recuse me of participating in next year's contracts with my clients. Are you seeing a lot of that? Absolutely. I'm seeing it not only with like compliance with uh, certain standards or regulation, but also with companies who want to do business with people. You know, we see day after day people going, oh, I'm not sure where your security program is. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure we'll approve your, you know, your partnership. Security is becoming a step in the door to be able to be able to say, hey, we we will partner with you. You're, you're, so when you start looking at that, that proactive versus reactive philosophy, you start getting to a point of understanding that security is not just an IT problem. It yeah. is not, it, it is a business risk problem. And when you start looking at cybersecurity, which is mm -hmm. not cheap, cyber, uh, cyber insurance, which is mm -hmm. not cheap, you start looking at the coverage and the responsibility you have to to make that happen. You, ha if your cybersecurity program isn't in place, they yeah. may not need to pay you on a claim. Ooh, Can you imagine hurts. going? You <laughs> thought you had coverage, and then they going, "I don't see. You know, you didn't give us evidence of actually putting anything in place to be proactive. Therefore, we don't. We, there's no. There's no eligibility for claim coverage. A ransomware protection." People who be paying ransomware because they got encrypted. A lot of cyber insurance policies are pulling that coverage or making it cost prohibitive or making you go to them first for approval prior to paying that and getting your data back. So there's wow. a lot of a lot of things that are happening now that are really putting this a squeeze on businesses, but a proactive approach helps mitigate or obviate those issues.
Wow. There's a, there's a lot to, to unpack in this, in this podcast and, and we, we've landed the plane, but let me, let me do some, uh, just some closing remarks if I may. Um, so obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're here, we're, we're on a Goliath, uh, cybersecurity's, uh, um, podcast here, but, uh, suffice it to say there are, um, there are, good places to to get good information right there are there are i believe um some really solid services that goliath provides to help you in all of these things that we've talked about be it cyber insurance be it uh vsis or executive uh leadership uh that is fractional through through uh angelo's group there's uh certainly uh testing and and uh assessment services that Goliath provides uh, and have very good experts at providing uh, you the resiliency that you're looking for. Uh, but I also wanted to make sure that um, if if you wanted to look up some additional resources, feel free to look up uh, Goliath Cybersecurity Group in LinkedIn. Uh, we certainly post a lot there that uh, call attention to some new trends and some updates in the cyber world. Our website, GoliathSEC, GoliathSec.com, uh, is certainly a, a resource to see what we can offer you and help you with in your security journey. Um, but also want to make sure that uh, um, you check back with our podcast on, on a weekly basis. We always have some fresh topics. We always try to be as uh, contemporary in our uh, in our offering of, of topics. <laughs> I think in the cyber world, it's it's uh, not for lack of trying to find uh, a headline or two every day, uh, but certainly uh, folks like Angelo and, and Gabriella and myself uh, are always here to to be able to bring these trends to you and bring some common sense sanity back into cybersecurity. Ergo, our title uh you know uh, cyber in security uh we read that as you will but thank you so much for attending thank you for your um your feedback uh please do we love to hear what you'd like us to talk about next uh but also let me leave you with this last thought one of my favorite thoughts and i've been saying for years the best security device rests between our ears stay safe my friends and we'll look forward to talking with you in the next podcast. Yo!